This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real-life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. It has been a week, but most importantly, how are you doing? What's new? What's been going on? I went out and took a little camping trip in the desert and got to experience this really incredible like thunder and lightning storm sleeping in a tent that was pretty much mesh. It was almost like sleeping under one of those like mosquito nets that you use at picnics, <laughs> but like human sized and experiencing this lightning storm. It was just really cool. Uh, the desert is beautiful this time of year. It's about to get too hot to enjoy. So I wanted to get out there before that happened. Abby and I also took a trip to the aquarium on a field trip and just, it was a really good week. I have a couple different updates and I just, I think this is funny. So I saved it because I wanted to share it with you guys, but I have a friend, she tagged me on Facebook and says, Roberta, dudes on OkCupid are using online dating apps to recruit for their Herbalife downlines. A dude just hit me up and asked if I would be interested in having a date with him at his nutrition shop. I almost died. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, I don't even know what I would say after it. <laughs> mm, I'd probably just, I don't even know. I, I don't think it would be pretty, but I don't know what I would say. <laughs> Which leads me to my next bit of news. Herbalife is in hot water. Are we surprised? No, we're not. Herbalife to pay $12.5 million to settle class action suit over event costs. So I'll throw the link to this article in the show notes, but it says that the network marketing giant Herbalife has agreed to pay out $12.5 million in a preliminary settlement of a class action suit that alleged the company was inducing distributors to sign up for events that cost $600 or more a year to attend. I don't think that's like alleged, like that's literally what happens. So <laughs> Herbalife is having to pay out quite a bit of money. Herbalife's always paying out quite a bit of money. And then in another piece of MLM news, multi-billion dollar Santa Monica fitness company, Beachbody, faces allegations of exploiting exercise coaches. What? No, that is so completely unheard of. What? Join Beachbody to shed those pounds, help others lose weight and get rich in the process. That was the Santa Monica Fitness Company's pitch to attract its fitness coaches, but plaintiffs allege in a class action lawsuit Monday that they were used as low-cost labor to help Beachbody get rich instead. Yes, 
that is the labor exploitation that we talk about that MLMs do constantly all the time. And Beachbody is not the only one. But again, if you are interested in either of those stories, I will pop both of the links to them in the show notes. I also want to say thank you to Nicole A. Moran, our newest Patreon member. And the last thing that I want to share is a treat for all of us. And I'm going to try to utilize this incredible opportunity to the best of my ability. So if you are listening to this right now and you have ideas, please hit me up and let me know. But there's a new documentary coming out next week called Shiny Happy People. It is about the Duggar family and their connection to the Institute of Basic Life Principles or IBLP. Uh, It comes out next week. It is made by the same people that did Lula Rich. So shout out to them, an incredible team. I am so excited for this to come out. I reached out to Corey, who's one of the producers, and I said, hey, how can I get in on helping promote this and get some people on the show to do some episodes about this? And she was like, hey, reach out to the Amazon contacts because it's literally all the same people. I reached out. They were like, Roberta, it's so great to hear from you. They sent me a screener. I'm about to watch that as soon as I'm done here. I can't talk about it until the 30th. So if you're interested in my thoughts on this, check out social media on the 30th or later. I'll be sharing my thoughts. I'm super excited to watch this. So many of the things that we talk about, like faith manipulation and prosperity gospel and (laughs) just cults uh, falls into this category. And then we also have uh, the exploitation of children, which is a theme on the show this year. And so I I knew that I was going to be talking about CSA and things like that, at at least later in the year as we got closer to the cult month. But this is a really great opportunity to be able to talk to some of the survivors of IBLP that were featured in this documentary and uh, support my friends and their incredible work. So um, please check that out. I will also throw the link to watch that. It is on Amazon Prime in the show notes as well. So you guys can check that out and support incredible content. This episode is about real estate and the real estate MLM EXP. And also LuLaRoe makes a cameo. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Um, This is a subject that I've been wanting to talk about. I see this MLM everywhere, uh, literally everywhere. I see it on every single for sale sign in my neighborhood all the time. And I'm like, another one, another one. And if you also see these in your neighborhood on those for sale signs, you might know that I'm talking about EXP Realty. I mentioned it a few months ago that I wanted to talk about it. And our lovely guest today reached out and said, hey, I used to work for them. And I want to tell you, I want, I want to answer all your questions. So I have with us today, Samantha D'Amelio. It is so wonderful to have you. You are a real estate agent. You were with EXP. We're going to debunk some stuff. We're going to figure everything out. And it is so good to have you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. And yeah, thank you for having me. I just want to say that we don't actually work for them as a realtor. We are technically independent contractors. Oh, see? Real estate's a weird thing. Like you have to have a license to practice, which makes sense. You don't want just somebody saying, hey, I'm going to sell your house. (laughs) That That would be really bad. It could be scary depending on who it is. Uh, And then you have your license has to be hung at a brokerage. And 
as an agent, you pick which brokerage you want. So there's pros and cons to all of them. Obviously, you're under a broker in charge at the brokerage. So there's a lot that plays into it. But we technically aren't employees. But the weird thing is that if you are a shady agent, you may be asked to leave that brokerage. Wow. Yeah. I haven't been around that too much. So I very like we have ethics training and every time we have to take it, I'm like, you can't teach somebody to be ethical. You cannot teach an agent or a human being to be ethical if they are not. If they are, they are. Yeah. So I, uh, I was telling you before we hit record, I live in San Diego. So that means I've never owned a home. That's a joke about how expensive San Diego is, but I have been through the process of like my parents selling their home and buying and moving. And I have friends Mm -hmm. that have bought homes in other parts of the country. that are more affordable. So for me, like, I don't know a ton about how real estate works, how real Mm -hmm. estate agents, I don't, I don't really know a ton because I've never been in that experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So today I'm sure there's other people listening going, yeah, me too. I've never had to do this. So we're going to kind of take things slow as, as Samantha teaches us about these things, there might be some acronyms that we might not know. We're going to do baby steps. She's going to do the best to educate us on what all this is. So it's not as confusing (laughs) as it could be, but let's start in the beginning. Like what made you want to get into real estate and become a broker in the first place? I wanted to get into real estate I'm in Las Vegas, just so everybody knows. So I bought my townhouse closed in November of 2007. So we all know what happened in 08. Um, This was supposed to be a first home, like a step from renting into buying a home. Um, I paid $225,000 for my two-bedroom, three-bath townhouse. I just sold a neighbor's townhouse at $355,000 last week. So we're in a market similar-ish to California, not as high, but high. But my experience was, it was okay. The agent wasn't horrible, but I just felt like he didn't want to be bothered with me because I was at a lower price point because that was 07 was still crazy here. Um, I was actually lucky to find something. I never thought the market was going to do the tank that it did free fall in 08. Wow. Oh my God. 2008 was wild. And I had hoped to get this and maybe have it as a rental. And I didn't know there's HOAs, which I mean, I knew there was HOAs, but I didn't realize that the HOAs could dictate if you could rent or not. And you do get a copy of the giant package of HOA rules and bylaws and the financial statements and everything. But I was never explained that you need to look at that and see if they allow rentals and they don't care. But it made me want to go into real estate. Well, then 08 or 09 happened. And I thought, well, I'm not that crazy. I'm not jumping into (laughs) becoming a real estate agent in that market with the short sales and everything. And it is something that you could learn if you had to, but I I didn't want to say, let's jump in now. <laughs> so in Vegas, I think it cleared out thousands of agents when it crashed. I was working at casinos. I was a beverage server in 2015 or six, 2016. I can't remember when I took a full-time graveyard shift at one of the big names on the strip, Bellagio. It's time. I'm going to get my real estate license and transfer out of being a server because the career cocktail servers were telling me, you need to go now. Like, we love you, but you need to get out now before you become a lifer because you've been doing this now like 10, 12 years. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that really quick because that's interesting. What does the graveyard shift at the Bellagio look like? I had the weekends off, so I actually had the worst shift, but there's unions and seniority. So you had to kind of take that to be full time. And in my mind, full time would mean, oh, I could get my real estate license and do real estate, keep this job and benefits and transition out. That didn't work well because the graveyard's 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. It is literally middle of the night. It's a lot of stragglers and like early breakfast buffet people. (laughs) Yeah. 
financially, it wasn't obviously the best shift, but I had health insurance. I was full-time. I had a set schedule because prior to that, I was what we, the casinos call extra board. So it's essentially you're on call. You could work any of the shifts. You don't necessarily have set days off. What was it like? Uh, and, and how was it getting your real estate license? Like, what does that take? So I will, as I said, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. So for Nevada, and I'm sure it's this way for all the states, you have to take a pre-licensing course before you can even sit for the real estate exam. And I think now it's up to 120 hours. Mine was shorter. Uh, Nevada does offer the option here that we could do it self-paced, get the books and do it yourself online, or you could go in person. Well, I opted for the hybrid of online, but getting the books because I wanted the papers to look at. And online was kind of a recording. So it was, I could do a little bit here and there. So I completed the course. I don't think it took me the required hours, but I completed the, the things, did the test, sample tests. And once I completed the sample tests, I signed up to take the Nevada exam. And it's a two-part exam. There's state and general. Pass the exam. Now you can get your real estate license after you have your fingerprints done as well. They do a background check. I'm sure real estate agents are bonded, right? Yeah, they, they do. They do a background check, but part of it being bonded is you have to go to a brokerage. So I can't just be like, oh, here's my license. I'm going to sell a house. What I did and what I was encouraging others to do is talk to different brokers. Even the same, like even if it's a big brokerage, like like an EXP or a Keller Williams or a Caldwell Bank or a big national, there's multiple offices in my city, at least, because we're bigger. And each office has a different vibe because of the broker. So I ended up going with a local brokerage, boutique brokerage, they call them. So it's not national. It's just here. It, they're, they were awesome. They still are. They're still around. They're still awesome. It's just uh, now they, are, they were actually non-practicing brokers at the time. And that means they're licensed, but they don't actively sell. September 2016, I got my license, went to that brokerage. And I'm still working graveyard, but it's kind of like, what do I do now? And we joke in the industry that the exam only teaches you how to not get sued. essentially so then you go out and you do this and you're like how do I get business how do I keep business how do I handle if somebody wants to list their house so I found a mentor that my now former brokerage does have a mentorship program now but I partnered up with a seasoned agent I guess I don't want to say older agent because it's that's inappropriate but yeah has had experience an experienced agent so I learned from that person and we stayed as a kind of two-person team and then in 2019 it was like well I was kind of doing my own and she was doing her own. So we amicably split and I'm saying amicably because agents are hilarious. They're like, what do you mean? Do you like, what happened? I'm like, nothing. We just, we agreed. She's like, yes, you can keep these leads. Uh, the ones that, you know, I, I paid for with the, the online lead generation, they're mine. And she said, and I said, well, there's a couple that I had spoken with and she hadn't, she's like, you know what? Just keep them. She didn't even take a referral on a couple of them. Cause she's like, I never met them. Every time they were in town, they were relocating here. I was away. So she's like, I literally never met that person. So I was like, okay. I mean, super amicable, like great person. I would love to do a deal with her, but (laughs) there's, I think there is drama. I can't even say, I think I have seen drama. I avoid it. I've been very, very blessed that been with aligned with good teams, good mentors, good brokerages and people around me, even within the brokerage that we are fairly, we're drama free. Our goal is listen, we're here to do our job, help people with the biggest purchase of their lives many times, or even um, you know help people uh, probate. So that means somebody in the family's passed away without a will or a trust. So we want to just make sure you know we're there to help them. And e- things happen in this transaction, like bumps in the road, like you said, fell through. We try to 
talk to the other agent. I mean, that's how I've been taught. And I do this. I say we, but I will talk to the other agent and find a solution that works for both the buyer and the seller in that transaction. Doesn't always happen. Sometimes you do have to cancel, but more of a, listen, we're here for our clients. Yes, I earn money doing this, but you're hiring me to help you. Like you would hire an attorney if you needed an attorney. Absolutely. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's about having a clean non-scary process, right? Right. Unless I'm selling my own house, it really isn't about me. It's about whomever, whether I'm listening, you know, helping a buyer or a seller, it's my clients. Whoever I'm representing, it's about me helping them get to their end goal. I would think the ultimate goal would to be as safe and unscary as possible in situations right. like this. Right. So yeah, I feel like that's I mean, things are going to come up. That's just kind of life. Yeah. So I don't know if it's kind of a, you put out there what you get back, but I haven't had too many difficult agents when our market was crazy in like 2020 after COVID when we picked up here in Vegas and through early half of 22. I get confused with the years now that, but I mean, even when it was crazy, sometimes it would be hard to have the list agent call you back because when they had the house, they listed the house, there would automatically be like 30 offers on it. I'm representing buyers. And I always reach out to the list agent to ask them, and then it was funny. I would, if they didn't answer or text back, I'd say, I, I know you have offers, but you know, how many offers do you have? When are you presenting them to see if they'll share what we need to do to win? Wow. Most of them responded back, but, and I get it when you have 40, 50 agents texting you, oh my God, what can we do to get the house? I, I get it. But yeah. So, so. you separate from your mentor amicably. Right. And you go on I, did. Stayed up, I was on my own way going, oh my God. How do I, and I want to say, I said to myself, how do I do this? But not how do I handle the transaction? It's how do I generate business? How do I get leads? Because I have a small SOI here. I know a lot of agents, my husband's family, there's a lot of agents and it just, well, even former coworkers of mine at Bellagio, I think there's six of us that are real estate agents now. Yeah. I don't have children. So I don't have like a built-in SOI where I'm going to take the kids to softball games and we're going to meet the parents there. So it became, how do I generate business? Online leads, there's people have a love hate, but they're pricey. You have to spend a lot of money because you need a lot of them because some people are just, we're all bored at home looking on Zillow. So at what point did EXP enter the chat? I was on my own for literally a month as a solo agent at same brokerage. And as part of the brokerage, and most do this, they offer training or classes. They had a panel with some top producing agents. I think some were team, well, some, I know some were team leads, some were solo, single agents. And one of them was somebody who I had met before, like kind of roundabout. And I was thinking, wow, as, as they talked about their team, I was like, this sounds awesome. This will help me learn how to build my business and then launch off onto my own. That's how the team was set up. So I met with her just to Honestly, the initial meeting was to meet for coffee and just, she was going to share some of her ideas and I don't know, like tips and tricks, I guess I'll say for lack of a better term, like to grow your business. And I ended up joining the team and we, we still were at that brokerage. I, that was May of 2019. It was an awesome, I'm still really close friends with all of them. I do. I love them all. Actually, I went to the Vegas Golden Knights hockey game last night, bought the tickets off a former teammate as well, who also has launched off the team and on their own. I had a lot of personal growth, a lot of personal and business growth, not in a culty way, but just a lot of um, a lot of support, like encouragement. It's, this is a hard business. You can be on an island as an agent and you get in your own head sometimes, or at least I get in my own head sometimes and start to doubt. So just help, you know, encouragement, positivity. You know this, like actually encouraging me to help new agents who would join the team, like newly licensed yeah. agents who would join the team. So that that's a huge, like, oh my gosh, you're trusting me to do this. So 
hey, I must know. I mean, I do know something about real estate, but that mental struggle sometimes. So I was with the team only a few short months and the team lead said, hey, I'm going to be, we had a meeting off our office site and she said, I'm going to move to EXP. Do you want to come with me? At that point, we were not being forced to move brokerages. We did sign a team agreement for X amount of time. And that's going to vary when you join a team, depending on that. So you time like, I'm going to stay with you. This is my split. I'm going to give you part of my, but you're going to provide X, Y, Z. In exchange, I'm going to give up part of my commission. And I was like, I haven't been with the team long enough. And I was scared to go back on my own. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. I literally knew nothing about EXP. So I kind of went in blindly. EXP is designed as the brokerage side differently than where we were at. So they do a commission split, which is common. Other brokerages have it. It's an 80-20, we call it 80-20 split. That means that you keep 80% of your commission check. The brokerage takes 20% up to a cap. That cap for EXP for a single agent is 16000 for your anniversary year. You've paid them 16000 you don't pay them anymore. So you could see some okay. markets are going to hit that really easily, like a California agent. If you're selling a bunch and you're getting your 20%, like once the cap on the 20% additional the income. Yes. I'm going to say this as like a single agent. So if you go join, and this is, I'm going to say EXP, but I know there's other brokerages. So their brokerages have to make money. So how a brokerage earns money is through a couple of ways. They can take a part of your commission up to a cap and they'll usually will do that annually. Most of the time it's an anniversary. So like if you joined March 1st, it would, your anniversary date's March 1st. Uh, they don't necessarily do calendar year. And does that cap then reset every March 1st? Yes, it you? resets every March 1st for that agent. Many of them have a monthly fee, just a monthly fee, whether you rent an office space or not. Some of them charge that monthly fee quarterly or annually. So there's usually a fee to be with the brokerage that we pay besides all of our other dues and fees to our association. Kind of like yeah. a booth rental for a hairstylist or kind renting of, your thing in an office. Yeah, you have that fee regardless. And then if you opt to, if they have the space and availability and you rent an office space within the brokerage or a desk, then that is additional. There's usually like a free oh, okay. area, like a bullpen, they nicknamed it. So when we went to EXP, they are, they call it cloud-based, which means they don't have physical offices. The team and other agents here, and you, you can rent office space, not even through like the WeWorks and all of that, but uh, because we were on a team, it was, okay, we have to have an office space. So we did have an office set up. Generally, teams want you to get together. I went with the team. Some of the team opted to stay where they were. Some opted to go in a just personal preference. I think some people had been on the team a few years and were like, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to take this opportunity to launch off onto my own. Initially, that's how her structure is designed. And to back up a little bit too, real estate teams are all designed different. What you pay the, the team lead for splits varies. What you get out of it varies. Um, what's expected of you varies. So I always tell people, you need to really interview. And it's hard when you're a new agent. But I always say a brand new agent should have some sort of mentor or team to teach them the contracts and how to handle actual buying and selling real estate. I still didn't really know much about EXP, but we had a little dinner where the revenue share was explained because that was something new. And the revenue share is why their number thing, number seven, I wrote it down. Oh, yeah. Where, they're yeah, up in EXP the top 10. Was, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're up in the top 10 now of MLMs. So it is an actual brokerage. You have to have a broker and they're marketing is they are cloud-based. So they have this whole, this Vera Bella, who is a company that they own, they have a whole EXP world. 
Like you can go in and create an avatar. I, I like literally that. I could meet. Yeah. It, that was kind of cool. It took a lot of memory on my old Mac. I think that's what killed it. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like second life for real estate. Yeah. It was very strange. It is. Our timing of joining at the end of 2019, right before everything hit though, is pretty interesting because I think besides the fact that I had a team around me, I wasn't a solo agent. We also here in Las Vegas, they have a great community of other agents that joined EXP that set up, they do trainings. They were doing quarter, at the end of 2019, we were going to like meetings where we were setting up our business plans for 2020 with a whole bunch of other agents. So they really are promoting the wanting us to succeed. Now I know people will say, well, they want you to succeed because you're under them and they're going to make money. And I'm like, yes, and no, because my team wanted me to succeed prior to that as well. It's strange because real estate already has sort of this like team-based sales. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are like, when I just feel like EXP sort of blends in really well because it's team-based sales, but then there's also like this additional Mm -hmm. bonus structure. Yeah that people are like, oh, real estate has commissions. It's basically like commissions. And you're like, okay, but that's kind of double speak because it's not Mm -hmm. really commissions as much as it is like almost like a bonus check. Right. But it's called revenue share because it's based upon, they're calling it sponsoring an agent. So when somebody joins under you and every brokerage has that, my current brokerage, um, if somebody comes over to my current brokerage and, and joins, and I get paid, I think it's like $100 every time they have a closing. So it's not really a pyramid structure. So I bring over, say, Agent Bob and Bob closes. And I'm like, oh, yay, extra $100. And then Bob brings somebody over to the brokerage because he's like, no, I'm really happy. The training, I love it there. I don't get money off of Bob's. Then. Ah, okay. So it's kind of, you know, anybody I directly yeah. bring into my brokerage. So you're getting a direct referral commission of $100. Hey, yes. At the mm-hmm. end of every successful sale of people you've referred into this, right. not on the multi-level aspect of now you get $50 off of Bob's recruits and 25 off of Bob's recruits recruits. It ends at Bob. Right. There's one. Level. And I did learn because I found, I'll share it um, with you. I did find a great site that explained the revenue share of EXP. I got information off of their site directly, EXP Realty. It's all right there. So anybody's looking we can put a link to that it literally is there you don't have to sign in to look for it but it's confusing because they have tiers and i said oh how can i explain these tiers i was confused as heck the entire time i was there about these tiers because i'm like i don't understand but literally there was a meeting when we recently joined when we were new to joining it about how it worked to explain it to us because of course how can you recruit other agents if you can't explain it and I remember it was a dinner and our significant others could be there. So my husband, I said, just come with me. We'll have dinner, whatever. And she can explain it. They explained it. And I was like, okay. And it was on, on a whiteboard. It was like, okay, so here's tier one, then tier two, and then tier three. And it, it ended up stacking like into a pyramid, the way that it was drawn. And on the drive home, I asked my husband, well, what do you think of this brokerage? And he's like, it's a pyramid scheme. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> And it is hard because it's an actual brokerage. Like I know agents there that they don't recruit anybody. They just go, they do their, they, they work their business. They handle buying, selling, helping people buy, sell, invest in real estate, pay their commission splits, pay whatever dues and fees. And again, everybody, there's either a commission split or there some brokerage like mine is a hundred percent, but we have a transaction fee that needs to be paid at every closing. So every brokerage is going to earn money off of that. Somehow it's not uncommon. There are other big names that do the 80 splits. So anyway, so we did that. My husband was like, it's an, or my husband said, it is a pyramid scheme. I said, no, it's not. I asked chat side and, and 
And they said it wasn't a pyramid scheme either, even though it told me it's well, I'll just read it. It says, no, EXP Realty is not a multi-level marketing company. While the company does offer a revenue sharing program that allows agents to earn stock in the company based on their production mm -hmm. and recruiting efforts. This program is not structured like a traditional MLM model. In a traditional MLM, individuals earn commissions not only from their own sales, but also from the sales of the people they recruit into the program. But isn't that... But you kind of do if you would do... I mean, the revenue share is because you're only getting revenue share if sponsored agents are producing. Right. I, Roberta, I was in a bunch of different MLMs. So I think I was still kind of... I, I wouldn't see it at that point. Oh, I would not have right. recognized it at that point. Still yeah. in Zotero. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Still, yeah. Sorry, I'd already gone in and left LuLaRoe. I was lucky with <laughs> LuLaRoe. I returned my inventory and actually did receive the check. Oh my God, you're one of those. I am one of the few. I am one of the few. Congratulations. I know. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. What was that weight like? You know, it wasn't that bad. The worst was packing it all up. My husband helped me because I had the big LuLaRoe boxes. I joined LuLaRoe in 2016. I had big goals for 2016. I was like, I am going to get out of this this graveyard, I mean, it's great, the benefits. And I don't want to knock anybody in the casino industry. It's it was an, it's amazing. It's a great job. You get great benefits. You do earn great money. People, Many people have raised their families. It's, but I knew, like, I don't want to be a 60-year-old cocktail server. I had already had neck surgery due to pain. I'm like, I'm barely in my 40s. This is not going to be good. So Yeah, one of my best friends is like a blackjack dealer, and she says mm -hmm. the same thing. It's like, mm -hmm. it's good money, but... And even with being a hairstylist, it's good money, but it takes, right. it took so, so mm -hmm. much of a toll on my body that I'm like, when is this not worth it anymore? Right. And it's hard. And that's why when I shared that some of my coworkers who were older than I, or have been doing it like their entire careers were telling me, you need to leave now before you become a lifer. And it wasn't in a, we hate you leave the industry now. They were like, if you don't do something soon, it's good. The longer you stay here, the more comfortable you get and the harder it is to make the change. And then you're going to go up the administrative assistant for somebody and make like, 25,000 a year, you're not going to accept that. Right. It, the sunk cost fallacy yeah, of, of thinking mm -hmm. that you're going to have to start all over again, it keeps you stuck a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Whether you put your time, your energy, right. your education, the things you put on hold to pursue this. I mean, the sunk cost fallacy is not just in MLMs. We're seeing it right here with your decision to, the money is good, but it's, here's the pros and the cons, but I put so mm -hmm. much into it. And your friends being like, you're better than this. You can't be a lifer. Like there's that, it, it's a, right. a battle. Well, I think too, and then as the older you get, you're like, well, I don't want to start over at 50. I mean, you can, but mentally I just knew because I'd had physical issues already with my shoulder, my back, I had neck surgery to fix. And I'm thinking, this isn't good. I have to figure something out. I said, you know what? I do want to get my real estate license. And because where I was previously getting my nails done, they, they had the leggings. I got sucked in with the leggings, the LuLaRoe leggings, not, not EXP leggings, LuLaRoe leggings. <laughs> Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
They send you regular personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM, code MLM. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Oh, I had a whole um, box of leggings yeah, in the salon yeah. constantly. Yeah. And I would come down yeah. and just collect cash all the time. That was, was before they, they joined and started so, selling. They actually joined as a team when they were allowing that. And then I was like, oh, well, everybody loves all this stuff. This will be really easy. I can make money selling row and quit the casino and have money coming in from that until I get the real estate going. I can do it. Yeah. I can have it all. I, well, Becky's it, doing it and I can do it yeah. and Becky can do it. So I shelled out a few thousand dollars and joined. I forgot what my onboarding package was. It was one of the middle ones. I didn't go the top line. I didn't realize, oh my God, I have to take photos of this or I have to go live or I have to do this. And then I have to ship. And I'm like, dear Lord. Like, I don't know if it was me. I, I know that and now I realize they didn't explain it, but I was like, was I being this naive? What so were some they, of the similarities between like the other MLMs that you had been in and EXP that that at the time clicked as like, this is good. But now you look back and you're like, that was kind of a red flag. I really thought and I did because the revenue share is, was touted at the time by other high ups that this is your way to retire as a real estate agent. This is your way to retire. But the revenue share program, you only can earn from it or receive the money from it. If you are an active agent and you sell, they're like, oh, you just need to do two transactions a year. But I was thinking that it started to click then because I thought, but you're not retired if you're still doing two transactions a year. I have a question. What if the two transactions I do are in November and December of the year? Am I not making any commissions until those transactions are like going through? I don't know. I wasn't clear on that because I got hung up on I'm retired. If I really legitimately retire out of real estate, I'm not doing any more business. I do know some agents kind of, they call it retirement. They just refer it out. So like if you were to come to me and say, hey, I need to sell my house. And I was in San Diego. I'm like, oh, I'm not. But you know what? I have a great couple of agents. Let me connect you with them. And you pick which one. They pay a referral fee. Real estate's weird. So weird and good. Like I can actually, I can can only sell here in Las Vegas. I can help you find an agent wherever you're located and then get paid a referral fee. Apparently, I learned this in December of this past year. I could also get paid a referral fee if somebody wants to buy a house in Greece or in Europe 
as long as I, yeah, I learned how to find an agent ah. through all of that. Yeah. So even just the networking aspect, mm -hmm. the underside of real estate could right. be very profitable as well. It if can you be. Are just yeah. referring people all over yes. the world and getting your commission. Uh, to me, especially if you were, I know some people who grew up, their parents were in the military, so they moved around a lot. I'm like, if you are great at keeping connections, this could be, you really probably only need to sell two houses a year yourself. And if you have been a great keeping in contact with them and they need help and a lot of military I'm like, man, there is really potential. But a lot of people don't realize that. I need to start sharing that more on my social media, a little side note to myself. But I can help you find an agent. I can't fully help you because I'm only licensed here. But I can help you interview agents because, as we said, there's some that are not so great. There's some that are amazing and some that are meh and we want you to have the great experience. While you're in the brokerage of EXP, I'm trying to learn the language mm -hmm. here. While you're working with that brokerage, does that, mm -hmm. that rule of selling a house in Greece. Can mm -hmm. you do that? Or are you referring to other yes. ESP people around the world? So like how does that work? I would, XP? Still, I would still have to refer to somebody else, but here's the interesting piece with the revenue share. And I can speak from my own experience. So I am kind of acquaintances, I guess I'll say we don't want to hang out, but I know uh, another agent from France here, been here for years. I mean, but, but initially from there, it does still have some extended family there was and was debating on joining EXP when I was there. So he, that agent would have been under me if that person had their friends and started the EXP branch in France, because EXP is in other countries. All of those people in France would have been under, in my downline. And they did say upline, downline. They did use those terms. So all of those people in France, so every time there would be a closing in France, I would be getting revenue share. The revenue share does cap uh, per person, per agent under you. It's that's why I'm like, this is really confusing. Like if you knew somebody and they're like, Hey, we're going to open up like EXP just went to Dubai. So if you're like, Oh my gosh, the person in Dubai started under me, that brokerage, you're going to get everybody under Dubai in your tiers. How many levels does it pay on? Because you're telling me a traditional There's seven tiers. Okay. So a traditional real estate that's not an MLM will have a referral fee one tier out, they, but you're they, telling yeah. me they generally has do. seven. Yeah. Wow. Those are and I had to look up there. There's a plan chart. There's seven tiers, but you need to have what is called frontline qualifying agents. So that means that they are producing. I have to look at my other notes over here. There's a great from this, um, it's from the Dolinsky Group website. I will email that to you and share it. it. They gave great examples on the tiers on how it would work. And it it's pretty, they're not, I don't believe that they are with the brokerage. So it's not, it wasn't a recruitment thing. I think it was just explaining it. But. It's intentionally confusing. It is. And I never figured it out. We actually had here in Las Vegas, other agents who had been there longer, like you would like if you were an agent and said, Oh, I want to, Hey, yeah, I do want to either become a realtor, or I want to move brokerages and come over to EXP. We would have meetings like lunch and learn type meetings where somebody else would be explaining it. And they're like, don't worry about it. You don't have to really know. And I was like, well, that's okay. a massive red flag, right? I mean, that's what yeah. every MLM says. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. You, no. It's so easy. You guys get it, right? You get it, right? Yeah, it's so but easy. the best part was I was like, oh, this is great. I don't even have to learn this because I can just have somebody. This is so much easier. I don't even need to oh, know it. It's true. I don't need to know it because I'm like, how can I explain this? I'm confused as all heck with this still. And I was with the brokerage until the end of 21. So what made you decide to end your relationship with the Well, this was. Actually, it honestly still wasn't the um, MLM part. For me, it was I had you know stayed with the team. Like I said, I had a lot of personal growth and very grateful for everything that they taught me. But it kind of became where 
the team does, it, it grows and ebbs and flows and it wasn't anything bad, but I just felt like, you know what? I literally had done a couple of transactions pretty much on my own and had an agent say, are you even on a team? Like I couldn't put the transaction under your name, but I never spoke to anybody but you. So that was like my cue, like, you know, maybe I am ready to launch back onto my own. So we officially did that in fall of 21. And then right as I was doing that, one of my, like a friend of a friend type thing calls me and says, I'm ready to buy a house. They got into contract pretty quickly. So it started at EXP and I did, I still went off the team. I handled all the tasks. I don't want, I hate to say tasks. That sounds like a trivial word, but all the nuts and bolts and pieces of the transaction myself, but I didn't want to leave EXP while that was still open because I had a feeling understandably my access to the back office would be turned off, which makes sense. You're no longer with the brokerage. You shouldn't have access to that back office. I could have depended on the team to do it, but I was like, no, I want to kind of do this on my own type thing. Like not anything against them, but I just, it was literally like right before I was ready to leave the team. And he went on, like I said, he found his home pretty quickly. So if he hadn't, and we were still looking, I would have switched brokerages a month or two sooner. (laughs) And for me, the reason to leave EXP, I actually had one of my friends that's still there. And I said, well, for me, I felt in order to make a cleaner break and to go to be dependent on me and not the team anymore, I had to switch brokerages. Because in Las Vegas, we do have a whole community of other agents where I could even have like an open house kit where they would let me borrow signs and flags and stuff. But I felt like I would still stay tied to the team. And this is just my, how I think. There's other people who left the team and stayed with the brokerage. For me, I needed a cleaner break just to be able to fully be on my own. Because I think that was part of, I I was weird at first when I first left the first team, like being at the brokerage, which it, it was all in my head. I can guarantee that. My thought was, oh my God, should I be in the office? Is she like, she was, my mentor was judging me, like sitting around judging me. No, she wasn't. I mean, if she was, she wasn't sharing it, but I mean, she's not going to sit there and look at her watch and be like, oh, not showing up to the office till 10. Like, why would she even care if I wasn't on her team? So I have that mentality that I'm working on leaving in the past. Yeah. But yeah, so that's (laughs) honestly, that's, that's why I left. But I did notice on the transaction I did on my own because you have to go to the world the world i just call it their their virtual world or you can they do have like a facebook messenger type thing set up to reach the broker but nevada needs another broker i'm just gonna say that exp i don't know if they have another one or not i know they have a northern and a southern one when i was there there's too many agents so it's kind of harder to get in contact with the broker and to me i'm like i have a little bit of experience now a few years in like if i have a question it's usually something weird and i need an answer It, it took two or three days to get an answer back I guess like I'm thinking about this and how real estate is already such a lucrative place and Mm -hmm. it kind of already works this way. And so a scam very easily floats unnoticed. If you're willing, Mm -hmm. like, did you ever like recruit someone on a team? Did you have a team? Did you ever make bonus checks? Like how much money did you Nothing. I made zero. I did have um, a couple of people who were thinking about getting into real estate. And we have to remember, I was here like in, or I was with them in October of 2019 through November of 21. So that even though that was the COVID timeframe, the market was hot. So we had a lot of people wanting to get into real estate. These would be brand new agents. For me, it was more like if they were going to go take the test and do all of this to have them join the team to help guide them and mentor them. I never actually had anybody personally. I don't know if any, I, I think a couple people on the team had people here and there. I, I didn't really get into real estate to actively recruit. 
I mean, if you want to be an agent, I'm more than happy to help guide you and okay, yeah, you can do this. I don't feel like I have enough experience to be a mentor at this point because of not being on my own long enough, but I can hook you up with a mentor. My brokerage actually has a mentorship program for new agents, newly licensed agents. And I'm like, yeah, I have no problem helping you, but I didn't get in to build a team. You know I mean? Probably I wasn't successful at LuLaRoe or Doterra. No, you, the odds are or, stacked against uh, you. What, I know. <laughs> or, um, oh yeah, I forgot. I left LuLaRoe. We had Piffany, which then was savvy. You did Piffany <laughs> after LuLaRoe? <laughs> a little bit after, because I was like, oh, this is really, I don't have to have inventory. This is great. Wow. Yeah. Piffany switched over to Savvy. I was like, oh, this will be, yeah, sure. Like they have activewear. They're going to have this app. They were in launch for like over a year. And then I finally was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. The the family of MLMs that stem from like LuLaRoe is wild. So it's like, yeah, it, it was Honey and Lace. So LuLaRoe, mm-hmm. okay. So for, I, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but uh, LuLaRoe was originally Deanne and her twin sister, Diane. Deanne mm-hmm. allegedly kicked out Diane and replaced her with Mark to start LuLaRoe. Diane then said, well, I'm going to start my own MLM. That's exactly the same because they were originally mm-hmm. like the Maxi Cert sisters or something like that. I forget. So she started the MLM Honey and Lace, which was a literal mm-hmm. direct competition, sold the exact same stuff, the exact same styles, just different names. And then Honey and Lace, I believe... Diane was just over it, decided that she was going to sell it. She sold it to a family friend named Jack. He changed into Pippi. Mm-hmm. He's the mm-hmm. father-in-law was, of someone yeah. connected yeah. to LuLaRoe too. So they're all like connected the name still. Jack with Tiffany and then initially yeah. Savvy. And-, and then the scandal with LuLaRoe happened at Tiffany mm-hmm. because many Lu- top LuLaRoe people had come over with Sam on these bridge contracts to poach and to restart their businesses. Mm-hmm. And essentially what happened was LuLaRoe found out. They sued them. They had to cease their business. I knew a few people that got these off the record, but kind of on the record because I'm literally saying it right now. I saw these uh, settlements and it literally said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but LuLaRoe basically said, either you cease selling MLM clothing or we'll sue your ass off. And so there was a massive leaving of all Mm -hmm. of these former LuLaRoe tops, Sam included, because the settlement was, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, like, and we'll leave you alone. We will sue your pants off. And so tons of those women are no longer even an MLM anymore. They went and did their own thing and completely do completely different things. And then Piffany, after that lawsuit turned into Savvy, which is actively, I think it's still open and people are still joining it right now. Like it's still the rebrand, just, the rename, the relaunch, the yeah. like squish the cockroach, but the head still exists and cut the earthworm in half. And it just, the hydro, like it, that this is what happens. This is not a one-off. <laughs> this is happening all the I time. I hate to say it, but I actually, the reason for the Tiffany thing was I had ordered from somebody the clothes and I liked some of them. So I was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, I don't have, and she's like, no, it's not like LuLaRoe. You don't have to pay thousands for the inventory. They're just going to order and kind of like a drop ship. And I was like, oh, okay. They, they have the pictures of it. So I was like, okay. And then when it went into Savvy, at that point, I was exercising more frequently. And oh, my God, speaking of that, I forgot. I forgot. The reason why I was exercising more is because I was in Beachbody. Oh, I forgot about that one. But so here's this other thing. I, I pulled up the agent compensation overview chart, which is okay. just EXP's compensation plan. The, comp- yes. the agent compensation overview chart. Even that has to sound fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to this, at the end of 2021, there were... 48,575 EXP agents. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of a lot of agents for one real estate brokerage. I'm not sure if this is just US 
or if this is global, because it doesn't say on here, or at least I don't it see doesn't. it. doesn't. So <laughs> I find this very odd that the, the same number of people making less than zero to less than 100 is the same number of people that are making over a million. It's like 0.4%, right? The most mm-hmm. of the people are within this. Uh, it looks like under $10,000 is the majority of people mm-hmm. at 11,000 EXP agents yeah. making less than $10,000 a year. That's only 23% of the agents, which is still a substantial amount. But it looks to me here, even the next big chunk is under 50000 $50,000 a year is a decent income. Mm-hmm. But when we get down to these bigger numbers, we're finding that there's out of that 48, almost 49,000 people, that only 198 of them are even getting over a million dollars in commissions. Because mm-hmm. this is all, this is not real estate sales. This is... No, this is the revenue share. Or so the, the revenue yeah, share, right. The revenue share, yeah. Well, the revenue share essentially comes out of the commissions paid to EXP from closings from agents who signed up under you. But you could actually sign up, like I could have signed up a team. Like if I knew somebody in another state, say my hometown, New York state, it was like, oh, you know, we're with uh, XYZ team. You know, we're thinking about coming, moving from our current brokerage to EXP and there's 20 agents, all of them go under me. I'm not quite clear how it works tier wise, but you know, so if the team lead opts to come over and 20 of the agents are on the team, that's a big team, I guess I should, most, most real estate teams are not that big, but they, you know, so regardless, even if it's a team and there's three people on the team, those three people come over, there's now four agents under me. So I think my belief, and I could be completely wrong because I, as I said, this confused me. I think the people the agents that earn a lot more in the revenue share are ones that have had larger teams come in and also the ones that started with EXP a few years ago. The, the other thing with these numbers from EXP or anywhere that you see, it doesn't talk about agents who leave. As I stated to you, I think I said it before we started recording, we move around. Agents will move from brokerages. If they feel they're not getting anything or they feel they're maybe paying too much in fees, whatever, there's multiple reasons why an agent may opt to leave. It could be that they're like... I, like, as I said, I had a different experience being on a team and having that community where there was a lot of other agent assistance for anything that I would need. Other agents may not have that. So if they can't, if it takes them a long time to reach their broker or reach somebody in their upline, they may say, you know what, the heck with this, I, I need to do my business and leave. Oh, well, another weird thing that's on this compensation chart mm-hmm. is that there's in this one up here, there's three different like areas. One is uh, just, there's different things, but this, this first one mm-hmm. that I was just reading on says that this is includes active and inactive that were paid in 2021. So I went down cause there's a little caveat mm-hmm. productive agents, which are active. That's what active is a productive mm-hmm. agent are defined as agents with at least one payment, just one. So to mm-hmm. be active, you only have to have one payment come in okay. for the whole year. And then inactive agents are paid by exp in 21 and then left mm-hmm. between... either left the industry or moved both brokerages right the difference between active and inactive the third category is active that have been there for over a year so this the middle one is just active only and you can see the differences in like for active there's over 11 over 11,000 people but in over here it's only active there's only 9,000 people so there's 2,000 people in that range that left EXP in 2021. Over 2,000 just at that level. 
And you can look up here where it says paid, it tells you how many active and inactive is 48,000 and active only is 42,000. So, so 6,000 people left mm -hmm. EXP in 2021, 6,000 agents left. Wow. That's yeah, wow. it is. It's amazing. And like I said, I can't, I can say that agents, I've seen it. Agents move brokerages. I'm not sure their reason for leaving. My reason was a little bit more on my own and make a cleaner break from the team. But I did notice when I was on my own with that transaction, I felt like I was literally on an island. And I guess I was spoiled because initially it was a small brokerage, a boutique brokerage, it's called with a local brokerage here that I started with. The brokers are literally in the office. I could literally walk in and say, hey, I have a problem with my transaction. What, what should I do? Like, so I guess I don't know, you know, maybe I was a little more spoiled with that. <laughs> I got used to that. But I mean, your brokers should be available. And again, I get it. Like I said, you know, they have family things. They have, you know, I'm not the only person on the world. I get that. You know, they have other agents, but they should be reasonably available. Can't speak to other brokerages officially, but because they know, yeah, banks aren't open. Our title and escrow companies aren't open, but thing, we're, we're working on the weekends because that's when people are available to view houses. Another interesting thing that I want to make clear to people listening is that when you are with EXP, like this doesn't affect the buyer or the seller at all. Like no. those commissions that are coming are coming from that 20%, right? So yes, the hundred percent of yeah. your commissions, you right. keep 80 so and 20 goes to EXP. And then EXP basically takes that as a pool of money and then divvies mm -hmm. it out along the seven, yeah. if there's seven or whoever, and everybody gets paid for right. that. If you have anybody under, yeah. Right. That so is that how it works. doesn't ever come out of, mm -hmm the buyer or the seller, right? I guess I should say as there's no additional charges. So when you are selling a house, generally, traditionally, the seller pays both the, the commissions to both agents, the agent representing them, the seller and the agent representing the buyer. Sometimes buyers might be paying additional commissions, depending on agreement, but that flat amount. So like, I hate to, they don't like when we talk numbers on commissions for some reason, but, but that flat amount of commission that comes out of the real estate transaction like I'll just, to give an example, say it was $10,000 to make the math easy. So there's a sale, $10,000 goes to you, the buyer's agent at EXP. You get 8,000 of it gross and the 2,000 goes to EXP. And I'm just saying gross, I'm not counting in any, there's additional transaction fees. There are transaction coordinators that we work with to help us make sure we have all our documents done and stuff. They obviously charge a fee, but I'm to make the math easy and not get too into the weeds for everybody who's not an agent. I'm getting very confused now. That's, yeah, that $2,000 that goes to EXP, that is how they pay out the revenue share. If there's revenue to pay if, out. If, if not, at EXP Correct. gets it. Right. Right. If not, yeah. And the revenue shares do cap on each agent. So somebody, really? I remember somebody telling me, make sure that if you do, you, you kind of stagger when the people join. So you don't have everybody joining in like January and then it maxes out and then oh, you don't wow. get anything for a few months. So you literally had to pick and choose how you would have them join. But I'm like, but how do you do that? Oh, I want to join. Okay, wait until next month. Um, I'm like, listen, I have so few people under me that if I had anybody under me, I'd just be like, yeah, just join whenever. Obviously, there's an upline. So like I've joined, there's people above me. There's people above my team, you know, who she signed, who uh, the team lead signed up under. And then that person signed up under somebody. It like all goes all the way back up to the beginning.
And I, it's safe to say that the only people that are being targeted to join EXP are real estate agents because you have to be licensed right. and bonded yes. and know what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Like they have staff like, you know, transaction coordinator, although a lot of times they're licensed, but they have like, when you go into the world, like an accounting department, an onboarding department. So they have a few employees, but those are employees. They're not necessarily licensed. And it was really weird because you could go into the world and like go to accounting, like click on it to like take a number, like at a deli. And they would literally be like, you and I are talking now, but it would be through your avatar in the world. And you could pick out its outfit. They had like a little boat thing. You could go swimming. Like literally it, it was, it was kind of like a Sims. It was really, that was kind of cool. That was, I'm not going to lie. That, that was kind of cool. But I mean, they, they do tout that they don't have offices, but a lot of agents still have an office. Teams will have an office. The EXP broker has an office. Generally, you don't walk in there, but there has to be a physical address for the broker. Things are electronically signed. So it's not like the boutique ones. Like my brokerage now, like she's in the office most of the time. Yeah, she has other meetings and things and this and that, but she's there. I mean, um, I feel like you could run a real estate business without an office. You could be like, I'll just come to your house or you can come to mine. And that's no, what you my absolutely is. can. And that was even, that was even, like I said, we joined in the end of 2019. So that was even pre-COVID. So once COVID hit, we all kind of did think like, okay, we're really good. We can just Zoom. We've got this, the world. We can still do this. Uh, Nevada did allow, Las Vegas did allow open houses to come back that summer of 2020. With masks, we had to make everybody sign in and sign a waiver that COVID exists, that they're taking a risk going into the house, like a four-page waiver. I said, the only good thing about that was that everybody signed into my open house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but but if they came in with their agent, I was like, I told the agent, I'm like, just fill it out. Everybody just signed the acknowledgement of the COVID acknowledgement for, from our, and that was from our association. That was not from our brokerage. You know, just have everybody sign it. And I said, if you guys want a copy, we can, and they're like, no, we know like it. And I'm like, but we can, we will put the email. We can send you a copy because you signed something. Did you ever notice like any of the culty stuff that other MLM participants notice within EXP? I really didn't. I think because I really wasn't trying to get agents to come in. I was trying to build my own business and then I had a few months of wrestling. Should I, should I go off on my own? Should I not? But I now like looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, this tier. Because I did have people say, well, you know, I mean, okay, you're you're going off the team. You're going to leave EXP. I mean, you got all this that you're you're giving up because they also have a stock program because oh. EXP is now traded on, is it NASDAQ? But that is you buying it. Like, oh, that is so you. EXP yeah. is publicly traded. Yes. So E-X-P-I. their revenue numbers are also mine. public. Cool. They should be. I'm looking at a slide I printed out from EXP Realty's website. So it's not Samantha's opinion. <laughs> you obviously, you're agent, you're buying and selling houses, you're earning commissions that way. You have opportunities to earn additional income streams and that one of them is equity awards, which is their stock. So when you have your very first closing with EXP, they do gift you $200 of EXPI is their trading name, EXPI for your first transaction closing. I believe though you don't get that I didn't get it. You have to be there for a certain amount of time before it's vested. So like a 401k, which I'm like, all right, they're just giving you that. You're not opting into it. Apparently, according to this, you do get money when you cap, when you reach that $16,000 cap, they give you $400 of stock. Oh, yeah, they gift you. And then it says $400 of stock for directly attracting another agent after that agent closes their first transaction. So you're getting, okay. but those gifts, I think, and I don't know the vesting time. I do know that I didn't hit it. And I, so I don't know exactly what that is. So and that you makes can sense. recruit someone and get an additional $400 in shares. Right. Yeah. 
And then you can also, every commission check, every time you have a closing, you can enroll to receive 5% of commission in stock, but you buy the stock at a 10% discount. I know it's kind of a lot. Oh, so you can okay. have kind of almost, so like the 5% coming out of your commission would be like, think of it like as a W2 employee, a 401k going in, but you're right. purchasing just EXP stock, which yeah, it looks. I don't want to get into the stock market because I'm not a financial expert, but we all know the stock market is on a roller coaster. It's very volatile. So it, it's so, a risk. <laughs> it's a risk. Uh, it's interesting though. Are you able to, is there a cap on how many agents you can refer to get an additional $400 in stock? It does not say this, so I don't know. And as far as having it come out of your commission check, that's up to you. I do know personally a couple of agents who it has helped them financially, especially a couple of years ago when the stock market was doing really well. So it, to me, that's like, okay, it's just kind of like, hey, here's 5% of my commission check, of my part of the commission check going into stock as a future thing. So it's whether you were to invest it yourself or do that, that's not really, that is different than yeah. most companies. I would also say that like it legitimizes the business a little bit more too, because mm -hmm. people will see that and go, oh, kind of like a 401k. Well, they have kind yeah. of like a 401k thing. Yeah. That's really great. Like I can use my commissions, I can take mm -hmm. a, a percentage of my commissions and buy mm -hmm. discounted stock with it. That's right. basically like stock options or a 401k or like revenue sharing. It's it's just another thing. So it is, great. it is to me, it's more like stock options. Like yeah, you're buying into it. You're not gifted them. But we but don't, there I mean, are it's a volatile company. Yeah. We don't know how long EXP Correct. will be yeah, around. We, it could totally yeah. crash and you lose everything. Yeah. I mean, again, we, yeah. I, and we, and I mean, the this. stock market, like when you do a 401k, they're generally a fund. So there's multiple companies and to try to eliminate some of the volatility. Absolutely. The it's so again, diversified. Not, just to disclaimer, I am not a financial expert, but I know, Same. you know, we, my husband and I invest a little bit. He does a little more in the stock market. When you are specifically investing in one company, you could either do really well or really crappy and you got to keep an eye on it. So it's, but I mean, I guess it's a nice option to save if somebody wants to kind of play around in the stock market a little bit. I like where I am at now. My broker did an amazing thing and I have to share this because it's not, and this is, I have never heard of this thing in a brokerage. So agents, we don't necessarily have set commissions. We don't have set paychecks. I mean, we negotiate the commission each transaction, but we don't have like, okay, I'm getting paid on the 15th and the 30th of each month. So she talked to her financial planner and he is willing to have us take out of each commission check if we want to sign. If, and he goes, I don't even care if it's with me or not, but to sign up and have money go into a self-employed, an IRA. I did a Roth IRA personally. And once I max that out, I can do the self-employed 401k, which I don't think is called a 401k. So don't quote me on that. But I can do it instead of having to have a monthly set amount out of each commission check, I can allocate a certain amount to that. So to me, when she offered that, I was like, I am jumping on it. I am 50. I need to get a little more consistent with it. And for me to have it just directly come out of the commission check and it doesn't hit my bank account, we're good. I that love works that. best for me. Yeah. And there are so many options. That's why it's so funny for, for me to see with mm -hmm. you with you reading this and, and me thinking that there's people in EXP believing that this is because it's an MLM that they're that this will be the thing that mm -hmm. retires them, that this will be something that they're gonna spend a lot of time building. And it literally can come crashing down at any point because we all know with mm -hmm. MLMs, you're you're just it's not your right. own business even though you are told that it's in your, your own business and then not diversifying any of your investments within the company and just buying their stock and investing your commissions back mm -hmm. into the company. It's just, it's so much pay to play. 
You're not diversifying your money. So if something happens to EXP, literally every egg you have is in that basket. Absolutely. I, I agree with that because I'm like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable just doing what a little bit, like maybe a little bit. Like when I say like my husband will, he buys like money of stock, like, you know, like, uh, like, well, like Apple stocks are expensive. So he may buy like one or two shares of it and play around a little bit. And, but his goal for investing, and I will show this is dividends. So if they're paying dividends, he will. So he's doing more like blue chip. Once in a while, he throws a little bit of money in maybe a new up and coming, potentially volatile, and then plays around with it. I laugh because he's with, he uses Fidelity and my God, they send a piece of mail every time he does something. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, but it's it's fine. I mean, and but that's not the bulk of it. He has an employer 401k, you know, it's so to me, it's a risk. If you want to go for it, go for it. But I think, and that's the thing is a lot of people, including myself, don't fully understand stocks and you're, it's just yeah. a bigger risk. In my opinion, it is a bigger risk. You can do it. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody not to do it, but you're right. If the company, if the stock market, you have things just in one company that is in one industry. And while, you know, I know people like to say now, oh, I'm just going to wait for the market to crash and die. Like it did in 08. And I said, okay, well, 08 was based upon mortgage predatory lending. Also, if that were to happen again, a lot of people lost their jobs. So I don't understand unless you have mountains of cash sitting somewhere how you're going to buy this house. <laughs> but I don't say that to them necessarily, but that's my thought process because 08, 09, a lot of people lost their jobs. People had hours cut if they were in the service industries. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you were doing hair, but anybody who's in something like that, people were not getting their hair done as often. People stopped getting their nails done. Yeah, like it was it's, rough. It's It was rough. So I'm like, I understand your point that you want the houses back at that price. Just like I understand you want the 3% interest rates, but that was also because of a man, man, uh, worldwide pandemic called, you know, the COVID-19 and they didn't want to stop the economy. So will they ever be back down at three? Probably not. Are they high right now? Yeah, they're higher than we're used to, but. Well, while yeah, we're still it's... talking finances, there's something that I wanted mm -hmm. to talk to you that we were talking about before we hit record. And that is what EXP gets in trouble with and that's income mm -hmm. claims. So can we talk yeah. about the EXP income yes. claims? Yes. I have seen, I don't have any examples, but I have seen, I, I don't know if the EXP goes after them. Um, somebody will post like, oh, nobody I personally know. Let me preface that. I've seen people post like, oh, look at my check. Don't you want to get this? And that is very MLME. But I do think that EXP has come after them and said, you can't post that without a disclaimer. I did see somebody post it because there's another brokerage that I think is similar to EXP called Real Brokerage. And I saw somebody make a claim on their social media about the money that they got from having people under them. And I was like, I almost, I should have DM and said, I wouldn't post that because not everybody's going to make that. But I was like, I don't, you know what? I don't really know, know this person. I went to a couple of their seminars, longtime agent, like. Yeah. The MLM itself, because they're governed by like the mm -hmm. DSA and all of that, like they will mm -hmm. absolutely one distance themselves from anybody doing anything illegal or make an example of mm -hmm. them or whatever. So you're never going to see that kind of stuff from the MLM. The MLM is not going to be like, join EXP and make a million dollars this week. But mm -hmm. you might see their reps doing it. And EXP doesn't really tell their reps not to do it unless somebody's like, hey, did you see that your reps are doing this? It's very much self-regulated. The entire industry is. It's very much mm -hmm. you just do what you want. Uh, just, you know, ask for, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission is sort of like the whole vibe of MLM and their illegal, weird things that they do. 
Oh my God, I didn't know. Absolutely. Mistakes happen. That's normal. People make mistakes. Yeah. But what I'm saying is this is active where people are like, you can't do that. And they're, they're still doing it. And they're, they're overtly doing it, not covertly. It's very <laughs> obvious that they're saying, look at my check. And that is totally an MLM thing. I posted pictures of me with my LuLaRoe checks. At the mm-hmm. ATM. Like, I'm about to deposit this check, you guys. Aren't you? Yeah. Don't you want to join me on this adventure? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so illegal. No one told me what I was doing was illegal. No one educated me saying, hey, you can't do that. And again, because it's so self-regulated, no one even will let you know that anything you're going to do is wrong until you do it. And I, I feel like that's also intentional. Like, they want you to do it. And then when you get in trouble for it, they're like, you weren't supposed to do that. The interesting thing, though, to me with real estate, and as I said, like when I was talking about commissions, RESPA violations, they don't like, like I'm in real estate groups, non-brokerage, like just real estate, Facebook groups, and you immediately see the comments, you can't discuss commissions. It's a RESPA violation. We're colluding. We're fixing the market. So I don't know how posting a revenue share check would really enter into that because while it's technically not commission, it's revenue share but it came out of a commission check. So I don't know how that would all work. Even when we have classes in person, like lunch and learns, or we have to have continuing education to remain licensed. They always will say like, oh, you know, if you offer say three apples, like they don't even want to say the word commission because we can get in massive trouble for price fixing and colluding. And I understand why, but on the other hand, I'm like, but if it's just me and one other person having a conversation, not social media, like I, I don't understand that, but don't know the full ins and outs, but they are, they crack down on agents, realtors, brokerages. They don't want to, like, I have to say, you know, even at an appointment, well, traditionally, this is the average that is here. Or when I have a listing appointment, I say, this is what I charge. Half goes to the buyer's agent, half goes to me. And out of my part, I pay for photos, blah, 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 whatever. I have it all out. And when we have a class on how to market or how to say, do a a seller presentation, like, in, during the class, you have to be very careful how you word what you charge. So. It is very interesting to me too, like how an unregulated sort of scammy mm-hmm. industry is weaving its way through a highly regulated yeah. industry. Which, which I think we should be highly regulated. It's a big purchase for most people. Absolutely. And we, we saw what happened in the early 2000s when lender, when basically if you were breathing and you walked into a lender, you were getting like five mortgages. So. Uh, yeah, it was like a how I called oh it like crashed like a house of cards. It was a house of cards Absolutely. that just collapsed because there were people here that they owned one house. They would take out a hundred over a hundred percent equity to buy the next house, then do buy a third house doing that, and then buy a fourth. And they essentially were in the casino industry, or you know the other joke is they were strippers because I'm in Las Vegas. And then oh eight hit, you know the market crashed, the economy crashed, and everybody Vegas slowed down. And they lost their houses. I mean, there are people that only owned one house too that just lost their houses because their their business dried up. It was a very tough time. And I think there's a lot of people that were very young or teenagers or were not mm-hmm. adults at this time and, you know, saw things happen, but weren't really in that space to experience it and how bad it was. How bad, I can't believe that it's been over 10 years, but man, it's almost been like 15 years now, huh? It was rough. I know. Thanks, Let's Bernie. do the math. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie Madoff. Yeah. And everybody else oh my gosh. contributed I to that. His, I watched his Netflix thing. Ooh, girl, that's how I learned all of my financial literacy last year was just researching Bernie Madoff. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I was like, this year, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about financial literacy. I want to talk about financial mistakes, putting all your eggs in the basket, 
losing your house to something, losing your job to something, because these are normal things that happen to every single person. Like this is normal. And people Mm -hmm. always think it's very insular. Like only me, I'm the failure. I couldn't do it. We have a lot of shame and embarrassment. Like, like he, and I said, listen though, you, you didn't like foreclose last year on your house. Right. You're like, what's wrong with you? The market was crazy, but why are you going to pay $2,600 a month on a house that is now worth a third of what it was? If that, I, I mean, you were smart to walk away. You lost your down payment. Yeah. That, that part's crappy. It took you a while to rebuild your credit, but I mean, you've done it. And look, now you're, you're putting away 401k, you're investing, like, yes, we're still in our house, we would like to get a different house. But you know, it's like, okay, we do have somewhere to live. We have, we have food, we we can afford groceries. Yes, they're ridiculous. But you know, like, we're, we're not doing horrible. Right. And if there's anything I've learned from diving into financial literacy and talking to people that know more than me, it's that all of this is fixable, like a bad haircut it's fixable. You can fix it. You can fix your credit. You can fix your debt. You can pay things off. You can consolidate. You can rebuild. Even if you're 50, I started rebuilding at 40, you know, like if you have to rebuild, you have to rebuild. It's totally normal. And this like whole like world of perfectionist, like I don't do anything wrong and nothing ever bad happens to me. Mm. And I'm so great. You know, you see it all over social media, this like perfectionism, which is just supremacy in its own in its own way which is it's a lie because they're only showing you a little piece of their lives absolutely and I think that's something that we all have to remember on social media even myself yeah. I'm, guilty. I'm like god this is but then I I know I know better to say you know what I know they're only showing me part of their lives and I do see people sometimes share posts that are like okay here's my tiktok video and then here's what the rest of the house looks like I, oh yeah and I do I, I like when they do that because I'm like you know you just made yourself way more relatable I'm a hot mess 24 seven. I <laughs> promise like, I'm not perfect at all. I make mistakes constantly. <laughs> and you know, that's part of being real. And it's part of having these conversations. And I think the mm-hmm. more we pretend to be perfect, the more we alienate ourselves from being true and authentic and real, which is, I think why all of us put ourselves out there in the first place. I want people to connect with me and be like, I'm a hot mess. I got four piles of laundry, Roberta. You think three is bad? I got four. I'm like, Oh my God, it's competition. You went. It's, it's you know what I mean like their perfectionism is not real so the fact that you can even be so real and say this is what happened to us these are the struggles that we had and this is how we're going to fix it and this is how we're moving forward is brilliant and congratulations to you because I think that is it needs to be celebrated Mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling shameful you need to be like I dug myself out of a hole that's hard anybody who dug themselves out of a hole knows how hard it it is is. I actually am and currently Digging myself out of a hole. And speaking of predatory finance, this is another tangent. But so in early 2020, and as an agent, as I said, inconsistent income, business wasn't what it should be. And that, again, that's, that is totally, I can't blame it about Sammy. I should have done more calls or done more, whatever. It is what it is. I can't go back and change it. But I was recommended a debt assumption company to consolidate my debt. And they were like, we're going to pay it and blah, blah, blah. And in three years, every, your, your credit cards will be all paid off. And this happened to me, I'd signed up for it right before COVID. But oh, and, and the thing was, it was kind of like a friend of a friend. So I signed up, I did it. And four different credit cards that I put in there, they paid each of them $10 for two months and then stopped. Meanwhile, I'm paying them like 600 some odd dollars a month. And what happened was in late 21, we went to, we were either going to refinance this current house to update the floor downstairs, or we were maybe going to buy another house. Uh, my husband is in, uh, he works for a construction equipment company. He's been in sales. So he was doing really well. I know my income, but we could qualify without my income. 
necessarily. So the lender was like, well, let's just pull your credit. I'm like, no, my credit score is really bad. And I, I knew it was happening already. Cause they were like, oh, your credit score is going to tank. We should do an episode on those. But <laughs> the lender's looking at it. And I know, I know this person, but she, they are a licensed lender. We're looking at it and she said, what is, they're not making payments for you. You have no payments on these accounts. So I actually sent her a copy of the contract. I ended up canceling them. And the funny thing was a couple months before we did this, I just had a bad feeling about this debt assumption company. And she said, I don't want to advise you what to do. I'm not a financial planner. I said, no, here's the thing. I think I needed you to say this to me because I was having really doubts about them. And right after I did that, two of the four, they served me. They were coming after me, suing me for non-payment. Oh my God. So besides taking my credit, they took my money. There's almost, for me, the payments that I made, when you take out their admin fees of monthly, there is probably between nine to $10,000 that I don't know where it went. Oh my And I God. said to myself, my God, I could have just stopped paying my credit cards myself for free. <laughs> like, right? I wasn't doing that. But then, and my husband agrees with me, what makes me super angry is I'm trying to do the right thing and saying, hey, you know, these monthly payments are getting high. I need help. Just totally bamboozled, swindled. And the weird thing is, and I remember when I'm going to get my nails done, she was doing something similar. And she's like, what's the company? And she's like, okay, it's not mine. It's a debt consolidation company. Well, they did the same thing to her. And it was a different company. Wow. I'm like, oh my God. I reported them to everybody. I reported them to Nevada state attorney. I was like looking to see if they have any class action lawsuits. I did find a great, I do have to give credit when I had the the summons. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I through AVO, A-V-V-O, found a great local attorney who can help with um, credit issues and these types of things. But he was really awesome, very helpful. So I've told anybody that has, I'm like, call him. He was a flat fee. And I was said, but gee, how come I hear, you know, things get like settled for a lot less. And he explained, he said, it's still with the current, the first debtor. It's still with the actual debtor. So they will settle, but not as pennies on the dollar. You get pennies on the dollar when it's been bought by a third party. And I was like, oh, I did not know that. But he really did help me. And the second I was done with the first one, a second one came through. And he's like, I'm just going to charge you the second one, not the full on fee again, because you already have the paperwork. Just send me that. And I was like, okay. So super helped negotiate. After we paid the settlement, I verified that with him. And he said, in 30 days, check your credit. They're supposed to remove the derogatory remarks. Well, one of them did not. One of the, and it was a big bank. And I said, hey, here's my credit report that I pulled through the free credit report. I don't understand. He goes, they didn't fix it. Hold on, I will. And they did. And he says, if they don't, we can go after them. It was a whole different story. Because all four of the debts got charged off for non-payment. And it was explained to me that they could come after you for quite a few years. Yeah. I mean, I so love learning about this stuff because I, I never learned it. And I'm learning it in my 40s mm-hmm. and I'm making content about it. And I'm actually learning things. And I'm like, oh, this yes. is interesting because it applies to me. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's- I love that financial literacy is a theme this year because I feel like all of us yeah. listening are going to learn a lot of stuff we didn't it's, know. And it's just scary because it's like, how many companies are doing this? And here we are, we're trying to do the right thing and just raising our hands saying, hey, you know, it's just gotten a little overwhelming. And I just feel that that's going to keep happening, especially with the cost of things because people are using credit cards to get by. And yeah. I get it. I'm not going to say like you have to eat whatever. I mean, you, that is in no way, shape or form belittling anybody or saying it's wrong. But these companies should, like, how are they in business? They're not MLMs, but how are they in business? Because you're taking people's money and what are you doing with it? You're lying and saying it's admin fees. This is why we worked so hard to get unregulated industries regulated, Mm -hmm. at least a little bit. A little bit of incremental change to protect people while the movement continues. MLM or predatory marketing, scams, frauds, anything like that. 
That's why we make this content. That's why we make episodes like this. That's why we have conversations. Mm -hmm. That's why we report fraud. That's why we reach out um, to regulators and legislators and things like that to try to make change because incremental change is also important in the fight to make things happen. Right. Well, I want to say thank you, Samantha, so much for coming and telling us this story and making things a little more confusing, but then also at the same time, not I'm wondering, are you ready to do some rapid fire questions? Sure. Let's do that. All right. So Samantha, what is one word that encompasses how you feel about MLMs? Scams. Give me a warning to somebody that wants to join an MLM or EXP. I would say to don't, or if it's EXP, really do your research because it's it's a valid brokerage, but are you in real estate or do you want to recruit? Ooh, that's a, that's a nice little caveat there. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? Oh, I really think it's LuLaRoe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue I, I just, with you on that one. I mean, I'm just like, uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that I got my money is a miracle. I personally know somebody who sent her stuff back and never got a check. <gasps> never? Mm-mm. Oh Mm-mm. my God. What is the hardest lesson that you learned while you were in MLM? The hardest lesson? Oh, I think... Just like I said, recruiting isn't easy, even though they say it is. And that's not AXP. That is for all of them. That is for the myriad of MLMs that I was <laughs> Oh, you can it's make so much money sharing oils. No. Especially with the way that the anti-MLM movement is going. Like MLM is scared. We're actually yeah. making change and people aren't joining MLMs like they used to. So yeah. screw you, MLMs. Uh, give me a positive takeaway from your time in MLM. Um, I'm going to go with when I was in the, when EXP, it just, the learning, the growth, just becoming much more self-aware. That was really from my team and the support around me. So as I said, I would love to continue to do business with them, continue to be friends with them. They're great agents. And I think what I've learned is that just because somebody is in a company that's an MLM does not make them a bad person or doesn't know what they're doing, that there's some pretty amazing people who have just been lured. I mean, it sounds great. It it sounded great to me many times. Absolutely. The best people I know in my life currently Mm -hmm. were devastated by MLMs and they are not horrible people. So absolutely. MLMs take really good people. They chew them up. They take everything from them and they spit them out and go, that was your fault. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and being so candid. I want to talk more about EXP. So if you are a realtor, if you have more information to add to this conversation, you know, you guys just hit me up so we can do more about this. Or if there's another, you listen to this and you're like, oh my gosh, that's just like blah, 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 blah. I know. Email me. Let's talk about it. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Hans.